0: Hi, and welcome to Nation State of Play. I'm your host, Brian Miller. On each episode of this podcast, we explore high impact topics driving California politics and determining the future of our nation state. Our guest today is Dr. Michael Wasserman, president of the California Association of Long-Term Care Medicine. Dr. Wasserman is one of the preeminent voices in our country on the many COVID issues impacting our nation's long-term care facilities. He's been a guest on the Rachel Maddow Show Anderson Cooper 360, and has been quoted in numerous media outlets throughout California since the COVID crisis began. Dr. Wasserman, thank you for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thanks, Brian, I'm happy to be here.
0: Great, well, you know, you have such an interesting background um, and you come at these issues from, I really think, an important variety of experiences. So I did a quick intro but if you could maybe give a few words about how you got here and, and how your work informs the issues that you're on now.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it is it is interesting. I, I never quite expected um, what's been going on the last three months, but my, my background did prepare me. So I, I'm a geriatrician, which means I'm a physician that specializes in older adults. I've been doing that for over 30 years. I'm actually the editor-in-chief of a upcoming major revision of a geriatric textbook. Um, but in addition, I also ran the California's nursing home quality improvement organization for, um, for a little while, several years ago. And subsequent to that, I ended up running the largest nursing home chain in California. So it, it kind of makes me a triple threat in the sense of, I'm a clinician who's dealt with older adults. I've I've literally been heavily involved in the quality space when it comes to nursing homes in the state of California. And then finally, I know what goes on behind the curtain in the nursing home industry, uh, which is those three things together, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone in the country that can say they've been involved in all three of those
0: areas. Fantastic. Now, I saw you left out Iron Man, which, uh, which is apparently another one of your titles. Is that true?
1: So you asked me my favorite. I, I actually could do a whole <laughs> podcast on talking Iron Man. I, uh, I always wanted to do an Iron Man. When I turned 50, I decided it was time. And in in my that decade of my life, I, I ended up doing uh, fi- uh, 15 Iron Mans, uh, culminating wow. last October with uh, the... Uh, Ironman world championship in Hawaii. So, um, you know, as a geriatrician, I always tell people to exercise. And I am someone who doesn't like to give recommendations that I don't follow myself. So uh, it's it's actually one of my great joys. And it actually prepares you for a lot of things in life because doing an Ironman is all about being in the moment and expecting the unexpected.
0: Well, in, inspiring some something to look forward to uh, as as I approach my 50s. So, so thanks for thanks for making making us all know it's possible. Um, could you talk a little bit about the California Association of Long Term Care Medicine? What your mandate is, who you represent, who your members are?
1: So, the California Association of Long Term Care Medicine represents clinicians who work in the post acute and long term care space. So. We're physicians, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, pharmacists, social workers, psychologists, nurses, uh, you name it. Anyone who uh, delivers care in nursing homes, assisted livings, uh, home visits, things along those lines. Uh, We are, you know, we're basically in the space of geriatric medicine and long-term care medicine. And our vision is really about serving frail older adults in the state of California.
0: Great. So uh, how many members do you have across the state ballpark?
1: So so we have about 400 plus members. Um, that's one thing we're hoping through this crisis. Um, there are a lot of folks doing the work of the folks we represent, but for whatever reason, uh, don't realize that they have an organization that really is fighting hard to represent them, and that's that's a real important area for us.
0: Great. So, um, you know, kind of to start off with the COVID issues, I, th- I thought it'd be helpful to think about the very earliest days when this first got on your radar and maybe on your colleagues' radar and talk about the state that you found long-term care in when COVID first became something on our minds.
1: So... Short of triggering my PTSD.
0: Yeah, apologize um, for that.
1: February 29th was the day that uh, the news carried the Kirkland, Washington case. So on February 29th, we all heard that there was a case of COVID in a nursing home in Washington state. At that moment, myself and almost all of my colleagues around the country uh, knew what was coming. And I I cannot underline this any more than it, it, because what has been frustrating to all of us for the last three months is we knew exactly what was gonna happen. We could predict it. We actually knew things that could be done to soften the blow and to protect people and to save lives. And yet our field is poorly represented in government and industry and policymaking. And we don't have money, we don't have clout, we don't have lobbyists. And many of my, my colleagues and I have been trying desperately to share our expertise, literally since the first week of March. And um, on a positive note, we're finally starting to get a little traction, but it's only a little. And I I will talk about that because I think that is, if there's one thing that I'm looking for to get a message across is here in California, if we were having wildfires covering the state right now, Governor Newsom would be standing in front of a podium every day with a fire chief standing next to him. Every incident command team at the state and local level would have a fire chief engaged. We are dealing with a virus that specifically targets lethal frail older adults in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. And where are the specialists in geriatrics? Where are the specialists in long-term care medicine standing next to the governor, standing next to the mayor, standing next to the county health departments and the state health departments? Where are the experts when it comes to making policy on a day-to-day basis. And you know, my my favorite example is if Governor Cuomo had a geriatrician standing in the room when he made the decision to send patients with COVID out of New York hospitals into nursing homes, thousands of lives would have been saved. That, that geriatrician would have said, Governor, stop right now. You're making a big mistake. You're going to get people killed. Now, here in California, Governor Newsom and his administration actually made a similar decision. And our organization immediately passed a resolution. We made noise. I'd like to think that we had some uh, involvement in the decision for the administration to walk back a very similar decision that was made in New York with the caveat that even to this day, the state guidance is not entirely clear on this area and could be improved. So, you know, that, that's my single most important message is colleagues like of mine, those of us who have given our lives and dedicated our lives to helping frail older adults, we have one mission. That's to help older adults live a better life, to protect them, to serve them. And that's the only thing we care about when it comes to sharing our insight and expertise with policymakers.
0: Great, so let, let's dig into that more on what that state guidance is. I've, I've read a bit about it and as you say, um, it has maybe changed a little, but it's still not where it needs to be. So you know, what currently does the guidance say in California?
1: So the, the guidance right now uh, says that you shouldn't be sending someone with COVID into a skilled nursing facility. Um, until last Friday, we had very unclear guidance on testing, and there's still not entirely clear guidance on what it takes to um, make someone uh, negative, if you will, so that your you're protecting uh, nursing facilities and assisted livings from getting people with COVID. I I will say the guidance is pretty close now. Um, I haven't looked at it in the last few days. There, there, there has been opportunities for County health departments to kind of do their own thing, which I think has been a horrible mistake. We have been battling mightily in LA County as the LA County Department of Health has made one bad decision after another. And I think that reflects the fact that state guidance hasn't been clear. And so the counties have been sort of fending by themselves. And they just don't have the expertise and the wherewithal to know what to do. So, you know, I think in a pandemic, if there's one thing I hope we've all learned, is we can't depend on uh, the the little guys to make decisions. Uh, There is a place for government in protecting the most vulnerable members of our society, in dealing with very complex issues, supply chain issues, like personal protective equipment and testing. Um, And actually that's probably the latest is is testing that the state did finally, after a lot of pushing and pulling for the last couple months, came out with guidance that, that asks for all nursing homes um, to test their staff and their residents. But the staff are key. So for your audience, I, I don't think there's a person alive now that doesn't recognize that if COVID gets into a nursing home or assisted living facility, it can be deadly to a lot of people, um, not including the the staff, the frontline staff. We have stories around the country. We have stories here in California where the virus has found its way into a nursing home, leaving tens, if not more, of the residents dead and sometimes leaving staff dead. And, you know, I think the average person would understand why we want to test the staff because they're the ones that bring the virus into the facilities. And literally until last Friday, there was no guidance that said, test all your staff and test residents and test them on a regular basis. And even now that the guidance is out there, at the state level, there has been no direction on how to make sure that that testing happens and that it happens in a timely fashion. And that resources are available for it to happen, and so we're still we're still actually battling for that as we speak here today.
0: So, in terms of the state policy now, is the state policy at the moment not to discharge someone from a hospital to a long term care facility if they have COVID?
1: Yeah, the uh, the policy is you you would need them to be to test negative um, before they are discharged. Okay. What's that?
0: Is that true? Even if they're asymptomatic that they would need to be tested before being discharged?
1: That, you know, it's been hard to keep up sometimes with the state guidance because they keep editing it and evolving it as we respond and, and try to find the problems in it. But I believe the, the latest guidance um, is that uh, people should test negative prior to discharge. Now, uh, there are some nuances around the guidance now that that are evolving in terms of if you have someone that's been asymptomatic for 10 days, um, you know, can they assume to be negative? And we're not assuming anything these days. And if a nursing home takes such folks, they need to isolate them for for 14 days, uh, similar to most of the quarantine efforts that everyone has taken.
0: Gotcha. So you brought up L.A. County, and let's dig into that more because it's been in the news a lot. What is going on in L.A. County, and how is that different than what's happening in the rest of the state? To me, L.A.
1: County is demonstrative of problems with county health departments across the country. Because we've seen this in other county health departments, but we're living in L.A. County, and and that is from the get-go, from the beginning, the county has just not known what to do or how to make decisions regarding COVID. Uh, Testing has been the the shining example that experts in the field were telling the county what to do in late March. And and one of my colleagues and I uh, uh, had an opportunity to get testing kits from the city of Los Angeles and we actually took it upon themselves. I'm medical director at the Los Angeles Jewish Home, and my chief medical officer, Dr. Marco, uh, he got the, the test kits for, for the 500 test kits, and we went ahead and used them at the Los Angeles Jewish Home, and we uh, half of them, and then we gave the other half. I had a, a friend who uh, run, runs a large nursing home chain, and they volunteered to test one of their facilities, and so we took it upon ourselves to do the right thing given the availability of testing. And the frustrating part of this was over the coming couple of weeks, it became apparent that Los Angeles County had access to thousands and thousands of test kits and could have taken our lead and tested every nursing home in the County of Los Angeles. And if they'd done that, they would have found what we'd found that there were facilities where the staff already had COVID but were asymptomatic. And instead the county didn't do this. Now, why? That's that's going to be a question for the new inspector general that has been that's going to be appointed in Los Angeles County to look at what went wrong. But in my opinion, it's been a failure of leadership and management that if you have the test kits available and you don't use them, that's on you to explain how you made the wrong decisions. What, you know, it's not enough to just use excuses. Well, we couldn't do it for this reason or we couldn't do it for that reason. Look, I've run companies, the buck stops, stopped with me. When I ran my company, if things didn't happen, that was my responsibility. To me, the director of LA County department of public health, if things didn't happen, it's their responsibility. And if, if a small organization like the Los Angeles Jewish home had the wherewithal and the ability to figure out how to do testing in their own facility, to me, the county of Los Angeles should have been able to figure out how to provide testing to all the nursing homes in the county and to help them make sure the testing was done. And the the sad part is in their intervening two months, more and more facilities were finding that they have COVID, that we're going to find a a fair number of facilities that had more than a small number of residents die and you know this is this is a time when bad decisions bad management decisions has led to hundreds if not thousands of deaths sure. and, and and at the county and the state level
0: you know, one of my favorite sayings in politics is that elections have consequences, and you know I think we're certainly uh, seeing seeing the reality of that now. So, what should LA County be doing now?
1: LA County should immediately make sure that they are that testing is being done at, on every staff person of every nursing home and assisted living facility. We often forget about the assisted living facilities in the County of Los Angeles. Um, they also need to make sure that we are testing as many of the residents as possible. There are some nuances on resident testing. You know, if a resident has dementia, it may be hard to test them. So there are some nuances there, but that's where we as experts need to be engaged on figuring those things out. But, and this needs to happen in the next couple of weeks. The the other thing that has to happen at both the county and the state level, and I just sent an email to the, there's a testing task force at the state level that. to this day, we are not part of, which frustrates me because the state has a testing task force, and we 're talking about testing for the most vulnerable population, the folks who are at the greatest risk of dying and and we represent those folks so so the in terms of in terms of um, uh, I lost my train of thought for a second.
0: Well, getting Uh, a seat at that table seems certainly important. And
1: and so here's the deal. The state can now say everyone needs to test, but there are practical issues such as prioritizing testing. So that let's let's say LA County tests 400 nursing homes in the next two weeks. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands of tests. So if the labs are prioritizing the 30-year-old healthy people who are getting drive-by testing and they're not prioritizing the nursing home staff, then there may be delays in getting the results of those tests. And so this is one of the policy issues that has just absolutely flummoxed me, that at the state level, there needs to be leadership that says to the labs, you must prioritize testing of staff in nursing homes. You must prioritize testing of guards in prisons. You must prioritize. We have not prioritized the testing to the highest risk populations. And the labs are putting out tens of thousands of tests and they're, they're turning them around, but they're not prioritizing those tests so that we're, we're, we're putting a lot of energy, we're wasting a lot of energy right now.
0: Yeah, I I think this whole issue of of distribution is going to be so important going forward. Um, Obviously, we're getting to better and better numbers on on tests. So hopefully some of that pressure will be alleviated. But we're going to have the same debate when it comes to vaccines and who gets that first and and treatments. Um, So I'm certainly glad you're flagging that. Um, Let me ask about transmission, because I, I think transmission is really important to understand as we think about long term care going forward. And the science has been evolving on this. It's I think quite confusing to a lot of us. Um, so so what what is your understanding of, of the current state of knowledge on transmission? Can it be um, transmitted through surface contact? Are ventilation systems something we need to be thinking about for long-term care facilities? So as we sit here
1: today, this is what the science tells us, the studies tell us, um, the worst thing you can do if you if, if in terms of getting COVID, is to be in an enclosed space with other people who have the virus who are not wearing masks. Okay, that is far and away. If you look at all the studies in the literature that have been done, if you look at the major outbreaks, they have occurred primarily in enclosed spaces where people do not have protection. So that's first and foremost. You combine that with older adults and you're going all the way back to China and Italy and Spain, and there's no question that the mortality rate gets into the teens, if not higher, in people in their 70s and 80s and 90s. So combining being in an enclosed space without masks with being of older age um, is particularly lethal. So that's what we know. In terms of surface contact, uh, there seems to be evidence that if you're gonna get COVID, that's not how you're gonna get it. I mean, you might, it's theoretically possible. So should you still be careful? Sure. But first and foremost, the issue is the enclosed space. So clearly, if you're walking outdoors, if you keep your physical distance from people, and if you're wearing a mask, um, there is no question um, but that uh, though, you know, the risk is being in an enclosed space, being outdoors, walking around, um, far, far less risk. So I think, you know, to your point, as we discuss opening up, um, hold on one second. Um, when we discuss opening up, I think the number one concern needs to be, what's the impact of opening up on the long-term care space? So we can open up the rest of society. That's fine. But what are we doing to protect the people living in nursing homes and assisted living facilities? What are we doing? Again, prisons, what are we doing there? Um, and, And I think it is absolutely critical that that we focus on what we're doing to protect these folks. And, you know, there's a nuance to this that has really come to light and is really concerning me uh, as of late. And that is, there's one thing to protect frail older adults in long-term care by focusing on what we can do to protect them. It's another to make decisions about their lives without giving the same older adults the respect and dignity they deserve. So we've gone for the last three months of completely ignoring nursing homes and assisted living facilities to the detriment of the deaths of thousands of older adults in the state of California. And now all of a sudden, we're talking about protecting these folks. How? by walling them off, by keeping them from being able to interact with their loved ones. And, and there's something very wrong about the way this has transpired. We're not engaging on the issue from the perspective of respecting the dignity and autonomy of frail older adults. We're, it's now like, oh my God, all these folks died. Now we got to do something. So let's, let's protect them. But we're treating... These folks as if they're children, and that's an incredibly ageist view. And I think I think as a government, as a state, we need to really be asking ourselves how we're going to how, how we're going to evolve COVID policy around older adults that is not ageist. And I think that is the greatest challenge, and uh, it's it's one of the reasons why folks like myself, experts in geriatrics, long-term care medicine, other, and that includes psychologists, social workers, nurses, uh, pharma, pharmacists. We all need to be at the table and involved in these discussions because this is what we've all done our careers is caring for this population in a respectful way, in a way that, you know, that includes their goals, their preferences, their needs, their desires their wishes, rather than just have a bureaucrat decide that we're going to do something to protect this population, which I think is is quite dangerous.
0: Yeah, well said. So what do you think visitation rules should be right now?
1: Fantastic question. Uh, number one, uh, we're trying to actually put together some expert groups ourselves because the state hasn't done it. So. Our not-for-profit small organizations putting together expert groups to discuss just what you're talking about. And my bias is we need to figure out ways of bringing socialization to folks living in nursing homes and assisted living facilities. So what that might look like. And again, we need testing. So if if someone's going to come visit grandma, um, ideally, we'd like to know that they've been tested and that they're negative, number one. Number two, if they need to be wearing a mask, ideally, they probably don't want to come closer than six feet. Okay. So I think all of this will evolve as the science evolves and the data evolves as we start looking at prevalence of the virus in a community. I mean, there's, there's some new data out on using wastewater to determine the prevalence of COVID in a community. Yeah. And so, you know, can we test the wastewater in a community and say, okay, we can open up a little more. We can be a little more. Um, we don't have to be quite as as, uh, as, as cautious or careful. Um, I think though that for some time to come, we should all be wearing masks, uh, especially especially if you're around, around an older adult, because the older adults are the ones who can die from this
0: virus. So, I want to wrap up by asking you um, what Washington can be doing right now, what <laughs> the state government can be doing, and what the municipalities can be doing. And I know that's a very long question. You're probably spend hours on it. But, but in terms of the most urgent things um, that you want Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy and we'll start with the federal side, the other members of the California congressional delegation to hear, what would that be?
1: You know, actually, I, I, number one, I'm going to say to all county, state, and federal level. You've got to engage the experts in geriatrics and long-term care medicine in your policy making. Um, it is not enough to just get a, a briefing from them or recommendations on a piece of paper. They need to be an active part of the discussion in a way that that's never happened. I, I just looked at the HEROES Act. Okay. The HEROES Act actually is dangerous to older adults in nursing homes. Okay. Okay. Uh, and you know, there's there's a, a bill that Congresswoman Schakowsky put out uh, for nursing homes that that we actually got to weigh in on and, and put some of some advice to, and 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 I think it's there's some good policy out there. So I think as I've thought about this though, to all levels of government, if they're not including the experts in their policymaking, they're going to make big mistakes. Those mistakes are ultimately gonna to lead to more older adults dying. That's what I'd like to put on all their heads to think about as they're doing this. And, and the other side is they have to remember that the lobbyists who have been waiting to put everything into bills are not well versed in geriatrics and long-term care medicine. And a lot of the stuff that's been sitting on shelves that have found their way into bills, and I've been looking at some of these bills, It is it's the Christmas ornaments, once again, getting into bills. Um, A lot of these will have unintended consequences that will actually harm older adults and will not really go forward to uh, protecting the lives of these folks. So that's what I wanna say to, to our representatives at all levels of government is, you've got to start engaging the experts in this field or you're going to make poor policy.
0: Uh, well, that's a great place to wrap. Where can policymakers or staff reach you if they want to talk to you about these issues?
1: So, outreach at caltcm.org, C A L T C M.org. We are the California Association of Long Term Care Medicine. You can go to our website, which is also caltcm.org. And um, our parent organization is AMDA, which is the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. They are uh, paltc.org. They've got, and I will tell you something I'm proud of, our two organizations at the state and national level have put together more actionable resources and recommendations than CMS and the CDC combined,
0: in my great, great. Uh, well, Dr. Michael Wasserman, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I hope everyone gets a chance to share this episode um, with policymakers and their sphere, family, friends. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you very much. My pleasure.
0: Thanks for listening to Nation State of Play. Our producer is Hannah Miller. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. For more information, click through the link on your podcast app to our homepage.